Welcome to the Let's Talk Money and More podcast with me, Leslie Thomas. The aim of the podcast is to get us all talking about money more. Talking about money is still considered to be a taboo. We don't talk about money enough. Women don't talk about money enough. And that needs to stop. In this podcast, my guests and I talk about money, mindset, and how to turn around limiting beliefs, allowing you to develop a healthy, wealthy money mindset. Our relationship with money doesn't just affect our finances, but impacts every aspect of our business. And most of all, our own sense of self-value and self-worth. By mastering your mindset, you can in turn master the money you make in your business. Welcome to the latest episode of the Let's Talk Money and More podcast. And this week is a guest week. And I have another great guest for you. Matthew Tayson has been in and around the entrepreneurial space during the last seven years since arriving in the UK in 2017. Having spent most of his life working in hospitality and corporate consultancy, Matthew has a vision to bring financial education, financial literacy, and financial freedom to millions of people across South Africa, Africa, and the world. A keen student of all walks of life, Matthew has tried and tested different industries to hone in on the one, seeking many successes and learnings along the way. Matthew is always seeking ways to problem solve, spot opportunities, and improve how people work and think, working with his clients to realize the same success in their own businesses and lives. Welcome to the podcast, Matt. It's absolutely brilliant to have you on the show. Thank you very much for having me, Leslie. It's a great uh, privilege to be here. So you know what's coming. I'm going to ask you the same question I ask all my guests. What is your money story? So it's a good, it's a really good question. And it, it was something I really had to, to think about. I think my relationship with money has been quite tumultuous, if I think back to the years, um, but really was something that started very, very early on in my life. Um, my dad owned restaurants back in South Africa. And, you know, as long as far back as I can remember, I was you know, sat on his lap at the till, punching away um, customer orders and and helping to cash up tables. And I think, you know, from that early stage of my life and then moving to make milkshakes and toasted sandwiches um, and being in that restaurant environment to on weekends, helping him with the filing of, you know, different invoices and stuff that had happened during the course of the the week and month. um, I think I had it very early on um ingrained in my memory and and my my sort of outlook on life that money is actually a really important um you know tool that we need to to be able to master it's something that we need to be able to to bring into our lives um but of course you know it it, it in itself comes with a lot of challenges because then you start to get driven by money and you know when money in your family is never readily there and and I'm not saying I had a bad life because I had a really really great life growing up in South Africa but certainly the the challenges that come with a, a very unequal society and a big change in from you know pre what was apartheid into into the post uh, apartheid era there just was a lot of challenges around it and for a restaurant owner like my dad uh, to then 
conditioned me in a way where I had to go work and I had to, you know, from a very early on, um, sort of wrap my head around how to earn this stuff um, meant that, you know, m- the money story was, was quite a, was quite an interesting up and down journey. Something has just sprung into my head as you were talking there. And I, I don't know whether this is a hard question for you to answer or not, but given the inequality that was experienced by many in South Africa, do you think South Africans have a different relationship with money than we in the UK have? Well, I've been in the UK now for six years, and I can say that, again, with, with my own experience, that life is definitely a lot easier here. There's a lot more liberty, a lot more uh, that's given to to everyday people. Whereas in South Africa, it's a very, very, very capitalist uh, driven economy, very capitalist driven world. And so you can, because of the abundance of labor and the abundance of opportunity and the fact that generally, you know, Africa as a whole is probably a little bit behind the first world in terms of technology and, you know, not necessarily innovation, but the ability to to get things done. Uh, we're hindered by all sorts of different barriers. Currently, no power around the most of the country. Um, but because of that capitalist society and the need to sort of innovate, think out the box and, you know, challenge everyday society, there is definitely a difference. Um, and also, I think when you look at how people have been brought up, um, when you come to a country, I guess, and you realize there is such a, a an abundance of opportunity, then yes, I would say we we are, you know, considered to be, quote unquote, the harder worker, but that's because we've dealt with so much obscurity back home. And then coming to a, a country like the UK where everything just works and it's accepted as working, then it definitely does make it a little bit different. Yeah. And what impact has had has that had on your relationship with money? Yeah. I mean, look, I've always been, you know, brought up in a in a in a, a world where if my report card wasn't good enough, I'd have the numbers circled it. Why is it not a B? Why is it a B, not an A? Why is it a a B plus, not a C plus, you know, and growing up in that kind of very regimented world, uh, my relationship with money was always one where it was out of need and out of necessity to do the things I wanted to do. You know, if I wanted to see my friends on the weekends, it would always be go and work a shift. If I wanted to play golf, it would be go work a shift. And I'm not for one second saying that's a bad thing, by the way, because the lessons I learned working in the industry and you know, I, I will be emphasizing this point a, a lot throughout this conversation is there is such a gap in the market or there is such an opportunity for kids of today to go and learn some real skills. I think, you know, society has become quite woke. It's quite a sensitive um, society and world we live in. And the hard lessons and the hardships of the past have quite often been cotton wooled for a lot of children. And so we're being in that kind of industry or that kind of like customer facing role you do then have to you know become a bit harder you do have to become a bit more like think on your feet and problem solve for things that happen every day and you know i will never say that i've had a bad experience with with money i've had a lot of ups and downs and it's as i said at the start been quite tumultuous with having and not having and maybe my relationship was a psychological thing i needed to get over when i came to this country and i started to really realize what entrepreneurialism and the free world and the first world look like. Um, but certainly looking at, 
you know the the industry what it's what it's given to me um my relationship with money has always been pretty savvy pretty good with savings pretty good with budgeting um but certainly the psychology behind it and of course we know that it's 90% a mind game then you know that that's probably where i see see my biggest learnings and and my biggest progression with my re- relationship with money so how old were you when you started working for your dad well the official answer would be 16 but really <laughs> i started working um a lot sooner than that as i said you know in my very very early childhood um i would work uh you know s- sitting on his lap whatever that was in terms of work but then making sandwiches making milkshakes i think i started serving my first tables at around the age of 11 um you know and i had a a, a horrendous uh incident where i was carrying a tray of food thinking i was a superman and uh, ended up dropping the whole tray and all the meals so i i burst into tears ran into the back room and uh, didn't come back to work for for 3 or 4 years but when i got to 16 that's when i really started working um you know it was the till it was the soft serve area it was um serving customers i moved into into a supervisor role um i was again handling a lot of the admin on my dad's side when i went over to university again i was working four or five days a week while juggling my studies um and those all taught me such valuable lessons especially things like time management like budgeting you know having to think about uh rent payments and you know i because i was working shifts and kind of working through the month i would then prepay the electricity meter or like you know do other workarounds rather than just coughing up cash at the start of the month because sometimes i didn't have that to do and so again it's that being tactical and strategic in how i'm going to acquire money and okay do i need to earn more do i need to work more shifts how can i diversify savings and i'd like to get onto savings in a second because i think there's a really valuable lesson i learned early on there as well um but you know being able to then see where my money comes in where it goes out to how can i get money to work for me rather than me to work for money yeah. um all of these different things were skill sets that um i had to yeah i had to had to get right from from an early age working in the restaurant and i think that's amazing and that is you know that is you know real language that sings to my soul because i also think it's really really important that children understand the value of money and really the only way they're going to understand the value of money is by earning it and recognizing the work that needs to be done in order to get it and then as you spoke about there, learning about budgeting. If you need more money, what do you need to do to create, earn more money? And then how do you apportion that money to make it work for you rather than exactly as you said, you, you working for it, basically. And I think that's a perfect, perfect example of how we can help our children to learn those lessons that a lot of children are just not learning today. And if they're not learning them, how are they going to learn about money? It's only one way, by making big, fat mistakes that might impede them for a lot longer than actually learning the skills that working can give to you. So you mentioned saving, et cetera, there. What do you want to say about that? 
Well, I want to actually draw some parallels with my sister for a second. And if she's listening to this, she's probably going to roll her eyes. But the fact <laughs> is, this is how we grew up. So um, at a very early, early age, um, you were saying it now, it's a, it's a valuable lesson for, for kids to learn. So what we used to get given was a chocolate a week. Okay, we used to get given. And was that a form of uh, education? Was it a form of savings? Was it a test? I don't know. But anyways, I used to take these um, chocolates and I used to put them in a big two liter ice cream container. And over time, the, the chocolate collection would grow. And I would sometimes go to my parents and to my sister and I would open this two liter container and there were this array of chocolates and I would offer and we would all share some of the love. Um, and I had a, a satisfaction knowing that this box was always full and I could share it with my family um, when the time was right. But then on the other side of it, my sister also used to get given hers. And within the first four minutes, it was it was mm. devoured and gone. Um, and I think what I learned really early on was, you know, the power of saving and the power of, you know, having. I always talk to people. And you, as you know, Leslie, I, I do business coaching and consultancy work with startups and scale ups. I always explain to people the power of compound effect and how when we have things right, we can. We can, if I give you a hundred smarties, your propensity to eat them, you might take a handful and you might eat them because the value is a lot less when you have so much. But then when you have little, if I give you 10 smarties, you're very likely going to eat them one by one because the perceived value of the smartie is significantly higher. Mm -hmm. Now, when we think about money and inflation and you know how the monetary system works, we can probably draw a lot of parallels there as well. But going back to my sister, her eating that chocolate was instant gratification, whereas mine was a little bit more delayed because I had built them up. And so I could share them knowing that one, another quote unquote saving of chocolate was coming in the next week. And my sister was then uh, not able to do that same thing because it was immediately devoured. And if we fast forward to today, um, while she's doing exceptionally well for herself, and I can't for one second bash anything she does, um, there are still those under, or you still can see the similarities between then and now, whereas I'm very much focused on how can I build wealth? How can I build the empire? How can I make money work for me? How can I invest my time now to get the right money outcomes? Because I want to I don't want to work for the rest of my life. Whereas if I look at how my sister lives now, loves to travel, where there's nothing wrong with that, by the way, loves to see her friends, loves to go for lunches, brunches, dinners, you know, parties. And it's just, it. I think those early onsets of how we were raised, it's weird because we were raised in the same house, but just those kind of like underlying um thought processes and you know the method and the madness has now trans translated itself into into current day and you know it is fascinating because you know my children you know are exactly the same in terms of very different to their approaches to money one is very mindful does save does budget whilst the other spends it pretty much as soon as he's gotten it mm. and i always had a view that children turned out the way that you brought them up. But actually, yes, there, you know, there is nurture, but there is very much nature. 
And I think it's only when I started this work did I start to realize that our behaviors around money can be handed down to us, you know, through the generations. So your sister could be behaving in a very, very similar way to how her great, great, great grandmother or great, great uncle, etc., used mm. to behave, whereas you might be more aligned with another member of the family. So it is an interesting to explore those dynamics because it isn't just about what you directly experience. It can go back generations, but also it is important to be aware of the limiting beliefs that we have as individuals because we will end up passing them on. But we may not just be passing them on to the next generation. It could be generation after that, the generation after that, and the generation after that. And that's why I think having that awareness, you know, is now so important. Yeah, 100%. Although I must say, it's then up to each of us to decide whether we wanted to break that generational 100%. cycle, right? Yep. Because if we do what we've always done, we'll get what we've always got. Yep. And I'm a big believer in challenging those paradigms to say, just because things have been the way that they have been doesn't mean they need to be the way that they are and for anyone who's you know listening to this i would really encourage you to to listen to the strangest secret by earl nightingale um i think leslie i'd actually yeah. asked you to have a listen to yeah. it and you know in that he he talks about a lot about you know how you can bring about change and how goal setting and how set, steering a course for your life and it's just these things that are perceived as free in other words, your health, your mental state, your family, your love of, you know, if you have a belief system, whatever it is, those things that are inherently free are actually the most expensive if you don't look after them. Whereas things that in modern day society, because we're so, uh, you know, brand built and like it's all about consumerism materialistic, and yeah. looking so flashy and being materialistic, yeah, yeah. that actually those are the cheap things because they can be easily replaced and you know i've had a, a a horrible time in one of my businesses which taught me a lot of lessons i don't see them as failures i see them as lessons but those were the things that have shaped who i am today and i've come back stronger because of those experiences because all it was at the end of the day it was just this tool this energy called money and maybe i wasn't mentally in the right space to cope with it or deal with it. Um, and so I had to learn a few lessons as we went along. Yeah. And I think, you know, when you have that mentality, that is when you really le lean into the excitement that this life is, that you actually have choice, you actually have free will. But what you also have to have is awareness, awareness of what am I telling myself? Where am I stopping myself from doing the things I really want to do? And I think once you realize that it doesn't matter what your situation is, there is always a way to change it. It might not be an instantaneous way to change it, but there are always things you do can do to improve your situation then I think that for me is what makes running a business in particular so exciting because mm. it truly is leaning into the art of the possible, seeing what somebody else may be doing and thinking, you know, I think I could do that. I'm going to find out how they are doing it 
and I'm going to replicate it because I want to be able to be having what they have or being able to impact other people's lives in the way that they do. And I think that for me is is why running a business is worth all the, and you've referred to them, all the ups and downs that invariably come. You cannot run a business. It is impossible, I would say, to run a business and to not experience those ups and downs because it is in the downs. Again, as you've said, that is where the learning actually happens. Yeah, 100%. And everyone perceives this straight line to success as it's sort of like an upward trajectory. But what we don't always consider is one, the learning curve, which is a very real thing. You start to see, you know, slow, slow progress. And then all of a sudden you start to build up that momentum, uh, which is what would give it a, you know, convex kind of shape. Um, and then of course, there's all the ups and downs, which are probably at the micro level. And um, everyone sees this upward trajectory, but actually there's so many stumblings. And I think that's, to be honest, why a lot of people give up in business because they're not able to deal with the hardships, deal with the re rejection, deal with the challenges that come. You know, everyone says if it would, oh, but, you know, I get this a lot from, from people, but Matthew, you make it sound so easy, but if it was so easy, everyone would be doing it. Well, it's, it's, I choose to see it as, easy and as simple and business is simple it's not easy it is easy but it's not simple it depends what you make of it and it's all about your perception and outlook now i choose to wake up seeing the upside i choose to wake up being grateful i choose to wake up seeing as the glass seeing the glass half full but if i was to focus on the things that are going badly then just by virtue of that i'm probably going to attract a lot more of that into my life and i think again when it comes that's why i say 90% mindset right yeah. To go into business isn't an easy thing, but it's what you choose to just to do and what you how you the cards you've been dealt, how you choose to play them. That's ultimately what's going to determine um, the success. And of course, being persistent, being consistent and making sure that every day, even if you move one percent forward, that's still three hundred and sixty five percent a year and recognizing that old cliche Rome wasn't built in a day. So acknowledge that and just take one step forward, one step forward and don't give up. Yeah, absolutely. And have you always had that mindset or is it something you've had to work on? I think because, again, going to the report cards and having to work from a very early age, it's always been very, you know, must do, must do, must do. I, you know, if I was watching TV as a kid, it would be Matthew you need to go and sweep the patio. You need to go and sweep the pool. You need to take the dogs for a walk. You need to wash the car. So there was always reasons why I wasn't able to chill. <laughs> so I've had it ingrained in me that I've you know, always had a good work ethic. Um, sometimes feel a little bit robotic about it. Sometimes feel like I'm on a hamster wheel where nothing's good enough. I don't haven't really ever given myself enough self-love, which I think is really an, an important ingredient into success. But that's where, you know, now, again, the gratitude journals, affirmations, um, looking, having a hard look in the mirror, you know, it took me a, a really bad breakup in a relationship with a woman I thought I was going to marry, to be honest. Um, and it all fell apart very, very quickly. But I think that that was my Phoenix moment where I, you know, was so hard on myself. And I just remember looking at myself in the mirror and amongst all the tears. And I was like, Matthew, what are you even like upset about, man? Like, you're 
you know, you've you've had this experience, but maybe clearly it wasn't meant to be. But secondly, you're better than this. You're better than this. You deserve to go after your dreams, to achieve what you want to achieve. If you believe it, go for it. The worst that can happen is you need to pivot and change. Again, if nothing changes, then nothing changes. So you need to change something. And, you know, I know I'm going in a bit of a roundabout way about this, but I think the psychology behind my relationship with money and my relationship with myself have gone full circle over the years. You know, when I, when I came to this country, um, the UK in 2017, and I really, I reread Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and I got exposed to different events. And, you know, I got to meet some incredible people, yourself being one of them, Leslie, it really has opened my eyes to the world of opportunity. And, you know, yes, I've, I've worked from a young age, but you still, if you've got a growth mindset, you, you constantly are challenging yourself. And I think even though it was hard in the beginning, I now embrace the challenges that every day brings. And my goal list on the walls and, you know, all the post-it notes I've got all over the place are constant reminders that I've got a destination I want to go to. And I'm never going to give up. I'm never going to stop trying. I'm never going to stop pushing the boundaries and my my own um, limits because, you know, there's a new level and there's a new devil. And I want to, you know, I want to tackle each and every single one every single day. And that's where I've come to in this uh, as part of this journey. And that's really laudable because it isn't easy to have those realizations and also to make the connection between our relationship with money is actually absolutely bugger all to do with money. It's to do with our relationship with us. Mm-hmm. And we can put the money on a pedestal and put ourselves second in terms of our own health, the the richness of the relationships we have the fun that we that we're having for ourselves etc we could put the desire for money above all of those things when actually it should be the other way around we should be looking after our health because if we can't look after our health then we can't look after our wealth and i think a lot of people and a lot of financially successful people because i think success is very holistic. It has to encompass your health. It has to encompass having fun. It has to encompass those things that bring you joy and full appreciation of life. Mm -hmm. And then money comes into the equation rather than the other way around. And I think if we all remembered to actually put ourselves on that pedestal, we'd all be happier, healthier, wealthier as a result. And I think you you very eloquently describe that journey that you've been on and how you approach that. Mm. Well, I, I, yeah, well, thank you, firstly. But secondly, I just want to touch on a few things you've said. So firstly, success, if we go back to what Earl Nightingale says, he says, it's the progressive realization of a worthy ideal the progressive realization of a worthy ideal, which means in my mind, if you set a goal, how can you go about achieving that goal? And if you wake up with that intention each day to work again, one step closer towards achieving that goal, then you're immediately a successful person as Earl Nightingale says. Yeah. The second thing, of course, is exactly what you touched on around health as well. 
I believe there are four key areas that you need to be focusing on um, in order to achieve both success and financial return. Of course, there's value to market, but the four that I'm thinking about is going to be number one, spiritual. Now, whether you're religious or not, that's not the point. But your ability to connect with self, with your mind, and being able to you know, appreciate who you are in this world at a spiritual level, because we are all divine spirit, we are all unique, we are only the only versions of ourselves, means we have to be content and comfortable with who we are as people. The second one is your mindset and how you can then, you know, constantly mentally challenge yourself to grow in all areas, learn new skills, stretch the boundaries and step outside of your comfort zone. Of course, there's physical, your ability to move, um, you know, COVID, unfortunately, I put on 10 kilos, uh, 10 kilograms. Um, I was a bit of a porkster, but now I found my rhythm and my groove back in the gym. I'm down about eight and a half of those kilograms. And I feel great. I feel amazing. And I wake up, you know, enthusiastic and energized every single day. And so your health and your physical health are so important. And then, of course, there's the emotional side. And that's your ability to both be empathetic and sympathetic towards other people in this world, to connect with other people in this world. And I truly do believe that if you can go through and work on each one of those four areas, I call them the four quadrants, and you, you know, push just one percent better. I always say this one percent better, but it 1% better in each of those realms. And of course, you take that value to market because you've, you've spotted an opportunity, then the world is going to pay you dividends, whether it be in joy, whether it be in, you know, content and fulfillment, or of course, the financial element will, will be a byproduct of all of that. But you have to progress in all four areas because the minute you overweight or over slant in one of them, that's where you get yourself into a little bit of a sticky situation as well. Yeah, that's very, very true. And I think, you know, this year, and I've spoken about this on the podcast a few times this year, this year, I have kind of tapped far more into the power of gratitude. And in doing so, I think I probably tapped more into spirituality as well. And for me, it's that connection to nature, which I think engages my spirituality a little bit more uh, and, you know, daft things like, you know, walking uh, with you know naked feet, you know, on the grass, et cetera, just standing and paying attention to where uh, nature is at, you know, in her season cycle, et cetera. But because I do a gratitude exercise every night, which is just simply, you know, taking a rock that I have on my bedside cabinet and thinking of just one thing that I am truly grateful for that day. Some days there's many things that are fighting for that one thing, which is brilliant, but just being grateful that every day I have something to be grateful for. That has led to a massive, massive shift in my mindset without me having to actually think, what can I do to improve my mindset? Actually, just having the awareness that I have the opportunity to be grateful for something every single day. That in itself has been, for me, so massively empowering. And I definitely know it has it has improved me as a person. It's improved me in all the different roles that I perform as a wife, a mother, a coach, a friend, you know, et cetera, et cetera. 
And I think when we can find those small things that make a difference, they actually add up to making a massive difference. 100%. And Leslie, I'm now going to challenge you and all the listeners here for a second as well. And I'm going to ask you to try do gratitude in the morning and in the evenings. Okay. Because if you, and Bob Proctor talks about this a lot, he says the following statement, I'm so happy and grateful now that, and what you do in that statement, and obviously insert your part at the end, I'm so happy and grateful now that I have a roof over my head. I'm so happy and grateful now that insert the goal that you want to achieve. But what it does is at a subliminal subconscious level, it trains your mind to start. Firstly, you see the words, I'm so happy and grateful now that, all right? And so we're bringing the future into the present by articulating that goal and then putting it into our subconscious morning and night. Because the minute we can start to have that going into our brains, and our mindsets when we go into sleep, then our body is always going to wake up feeling more grateful. So when you start in the mornings, and you say, you know, I do it at the moment with a gratitude journal, 10 things I'm grateful for every day. You know, and sometimes it's like, I had a really good night's sleep last night. I'm so happy and grateful now that I had a good night's sleep. I'm so happy and grateful that I've got a, um, I, I live on my own now. I'm so happy and grateful that I've got paying clients. I'm so happy and grateful that I, have managed to make money on the forex uh, market, which is something that I'm very, very passionate. And, you know, in the spirit of making money, make money, I love playing in the, the foreign exchange market. And all these different bits of gratitude, you start to just be a lot more positive anyway. And to your point, the minute you express gratitude, then the world will pay you in dividend and abundance, which although dividends is maybe a financial return, you you feel that in the spiritual realm as well. Absolutely. And I, what I was trying to do then was find the right page on my Remarkable to write down that affirmation for the morning, because you are right. I only I only practice gratitude literally before I'm going to bed. So I will add that to my morning routine to ensure that I'm making time for gratitude in the morning as well. So thank you for sharing yeah. that. Yeah, well. So what are you excited for going forward? Well, I, I think firstly, now that, you know, that dreaded C-19 saga has come to an end, life has also taken a, a massive turn for, for the better. Um, I've got incredible people in my communities. Um, I've always been a big believer in investing into myself uh, financially, um, but then I show up in those different areas as well. So different communities, different skill sets, different groups of people, and each one has got mentorship and guidance. Now, I'm so happy and grateful because I have a incredibly supportive um, support structure and support system around me, um, whether it be in my business consultancy or in my foreign exchange um, trading endeavors. All of these different communities have given me the belief that I can continue can continue on. Now, as I said, I had a bad experience in business during COVID and I had to shut a business down, but and I lost some money in the process, but I've come back stronger as a result. And if I look to the communities that I'm part of, I see so much more opportunity now. I see opportunities to empower other people. In fact, the group I'm part of that I'm most proud to be part of is the Empowered Global Network. And it really is about creating success stories and teaching people about financial literacy, um, financial education, and ultimately financial freedom. 
which if I rewind the clock back to, you know, the early days, I think I was a 12 or 13 year old and I had it written on the wall. I said, you know, I'm going to own the biggest consultancy in the world. It's going to be called MT Global because, of course, my name is Matthew Tayson and Global seemed like the appropriate thing for a 12 year old to call it. Um, and I'm going to teach people about financial education, right? which is a big goal to have as a 12 or 13 year old. Massive. But when I went into my maths class and my maths teacher overheard it, she said, oh, MT Global, like your head. And I mean, I, I got absolutely shattered in that moment, but I never gave up. And fast forward to, you know, current day, I own a, a limited company, MTSA Global. Um, I am a consultant and I am actively learning how to grow my money. So could you call it the the law of the universe and maybe the quote unquote writing was on the wall back then already because I've started to attract those things into my life. And now it's about really scaling up the endeavor and taking um, a valuable offering or a you know a skill set to the market because if we look at the the current day, the economic turmoil, the uncertainty, the crises that are happening around the world, every day there's something new in the news. And I've stopped reading the news entirely because it's just so negative. Um, but I do believe that being in a job, which anyway stands for just over broke, and while I do appreciate people enjoy their work, and I'm not bashing a job because I do think there is place in society for it, my bigger calling is to uh, teach people that there are options outside of it. But it takes, you can take the horse to water, you can't make the, the horse drink. And it's the same thing, you can put opportunities in front of people. But if you're going to have a poor mindset, which in itself is an acronym of passing over opportunities repeatedly, then you will stay where you are. And if you're stuck and you're listening to this and you think, geez, you know, like, how can I change my circumstances? Just change something, anything, yeah, change absolutely. something. And if you had it, you know, like that little 12, 13 year old um, version of myself, just start working towards a dream or a goal. If it's an astronaut or a firefighter or whatever it could have been as a child, think about it in the current context. And as Jim Rowan always says, work harder on yourself than you do on your job. And I'm not here to bash a job. What I am here to say is that we are divine beings. We have everything available to us to, to decide the course and, and fate of our existence, but we have to be brave and we have to be willing to, to step into that unknown. And so for me, I'm tremendously excited for what the future holds because there is, I just feel like everything has come into alignment and maybe it was, you know, COVID that, that took me through another um, shell shock of an experience. And again, another mentor of mine says, in order for the new you to thrive, the old you has to die, which when I heard that, I was like, wow, that's really deep. But when I started to ponder on it, it's so true. Just as I say to you and the listeners, change something, it means that a part of the old you needs to die. And maybe there's some sacrifice that needs to go into to, to making that change. It doesn't have to be wholesale. Again, it only needs to be a 1% change. But if you do that repeatedly and you do that consistently, then you are going to see notable changes in your life. And I'm a walking testament to it. You know, I've had many ups and downs. But I'm so happy and content with where I am in life. I'm not satisfied because there is so much more I want to do and achieve. But, you know, my goal of 
financial education, financial literacy, taking that back home to South Africa and Africa, I finally have found the conduit and way to do it. Um, and now it's just about rolling it out over the next years and continuing to get the results myself so that I can then continue to roll them out to the market as as opportunity and again, value, which I suppose if we bring it back to this podcast around money and money mindset, then uh, it will it will invariably um, wash its own face down the line. And that's OK. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think that was really powerful, really powerful. So how can people connect with you, Matt? I'm most active on Instagram. I've got all sorts of goofy things that go on there. Um, It's a posting schedule I need to get uh, progressively better at. But again, it's 1%. So that's what I keep doing every day. I do show up there. Um, So connect over on Instagram. If you want to take a look at sort of some of my professional background, you can find me on LinkedIn. But I would say the best and easiest and most used place is over on Instagram. And all those details will be in the show notes so people can easily find you and connect with you. So thank you very much for your time today. I have loved our conversation. Thanks for timing, finding the time to come on and hopefully we can catch up again soon. Lovely. Thank you for having me, Leslie. It's been an absolute pleasure and an honour. Thank you, Matt. Thanks very much for listening to the latest episode of the Let's Talk Money and More podcast. I really hope you enjoyed it. If you would like to better understand your relationship with money, then please head to the resources section on my website, the Money Confidence Academy, and download my monthly Money Mindset Audit. This will allow you to create a benchmark for where your relationship with money is right now and allow you to continue to measure it on a monthly basis as you do the inner work to improve it. You will also find a copy of my Money Archetypes Assessment at the same time, which will allow you to start to really understand which are your three primary money archetypes driving your relationship with money and how to use this information to make spend, keep and invest more money. Or if you are a female online business owner, why not join my free money confidence community over on Facebook? A link to the group and other ways to connect with me can be found in the show notes. Finally, if you have enjoyed listening to the podcast, please do tell others about it. And I would love it if you rated it and gave a review.